0: What is Off The Groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe
1: you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off The
2: Groove groove
1: with Scotty Dubler. Friday, May 22nd, 2020. Episode number 133. Man, we're
0: racing this weekend. It's not a national, but there's racing going on this weekend. I'm going to be there. Are you going to be there? No, because I looked at it. It's 1,010 miles from my doorstep to the track entrance and i'm gonna sit this one out i'm not really comfortable flying just yet and i thought about driving down there and it's just a long ways to go so i'm gonna sit this one out stay at home and watch but uh you know and hopefully aft comes out with their schedule real soon and we get back to normal sooner than later
1: yeah just a little disclaimer we're recording this earlier in the week because i am going up i'm going up to traveler's rest Uh, i'll be there saturday and sunday I'm actually going to be working with uh, Kristen Beat, who uh, you work with on the the broadcast team. Uh, We're going to be doing live look-ins throughout the weekend, throughout the two days. So uh, just little tastes of what what you can expect there at the track when you go out there for those who are going out there. Um, We won't be covering the race on what I'm doing, uh, like a broadcast, but we will be giving live look-ins and updates throughout the day and night. So that'll be fun, man. I, I look forward to that, and I look forward to being back at the track for sure.
0: Absolutely, and Kristen mentioned that on the AFT show that she was excited to be going back up there because, you know, when you sit at home, just like the racers, you might get a little rusty. Well, think about that. You're interviewing skills. If you're not interviewing somebody, you know, it's, it's not... You know, it is second nature to her. She's a professional, but she wants to go make sure that she hasn't lost anything. Try to get back in the swing of things it has been a little while. So I think it's going to be great. And, you know, with the flat track futures being there, some kids are going to be fun to talk to. You never know what kind of response you're going to get from them.
1: I can guarantee you one thing for sure. We're going to have a hell of a lot of fun doing it. Um, I have no idea what to expect. Uh, there's a little bit of rain, I think, this week, but that's supposed to clear out for the weekend. So should be a fun weekend of racing. And, you know, Johnny Lewis is involved. There'll always be a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, look forward to getting back out there and seeing some folks. The turnout is going to be insane at this event, from what I'm I, hearing.
0: Well, somebody shipped me some motorcycle. He's Him and his daughter Hayden were putting it together. I think the Bowmans are coming down. I yeah. think, you know, I think anybody that's anybody that's a racer has got the itch
1: carver's you know, gonna be I know there some, i
0: know some people went to pensacola not everybody did because nobody everybody was sure that was going to happen i think there's gonna be like you said carver i'm hearing the Bowmans are coming there's gonna be a lot of fast guys there. there's gonna be a lot of company and i just saw recently that there's a ten thousand dollar pro purse so that's Ooh. that's not too shabby either so that'll make them turn out i'm glad out. it i'm glad it's happening and these guys need to race you know that's how they make a living most of them or some of them i should say
1: yeah i mean it's it's gonna be fun regardless man being out of the track seeing folks um and uh watching some racing dude i'm stoked on it so um that's like the biggest news this week like like we said they did this earlier in the week so there may be some new news on the schedule but i'm sure we'll hit that next week when we get back to it um we had janish on the 132 last week we're at 133 I don't know anybody 133, but I definitely have a special guest for you this week. Well, I like special guests. This is one you've wanted for a while. Um, A long while. Kenny, Tol- Kenny Tolbert? Who? Some guy in Texas. I don't know. Oh, that guy that doesn't answer your calls? Yeah, that guy. It's not Kenny Tolbert. But okay. it is a guy who's turned a wrench or two. So, a mechanic, huh? Yeah. Uh, He's man, been around for a so while. Mechan- been, been in the sport for so, a while.
0: So many mechanics I want to talk to. Um, I
1: actually don't know a ton about him, so I can't really give you a whole lot of tips and clues on who it is. Well, there's
0: a lot of mechanics, so I, I can't even start guessing.
1: If I give you the initials RC, what's the first name that comes to your mind? Ricky Carmichael. Oh,
0: so... Well, that's motocross.
1: Yeah, I guess that's fair. But, yes... the I don't know if that's going to upset him, but I, you might have hurt his feelings a little bit by not saying his name first. Rick Canode? Rick Canode, yeah. Ricky Racer? Yeah, we've, we, you've wanted him for a while, and uh, we were finally able to secure him. I think your dad actually played a big hand in, in securing him, <laughs> which is actually pretty cool. Um, yeah, yep. But yeah, we got him on for this week, dude. you want to give him a shout and talk some uh, flat track with Rick Canode?
0: Let's dial him up. He's a South Dakota boy.
1: I'm stoked on this one, man. I know that he's been around a while, but I, I don't know a ton about him.
2: Hello, this is Rick.
0: Rick Canode. Ricky Racer. What's happening?
2: I uh, not Not much. Just taking it easy for the night.
0: Yeah, yeah. What have you been doing during quarantine?
2: Uh, just working. Yeah. You know, pretty much the same as we always do. We just uh, didn't have t- time away from work to go racing and stuff so
0: yeah there you go are you working at the shop are you working on race bikes or both
2: uh you know haven't touched the race bikes uh really we had spent quite a bit of time getting ready for this you know because with the shop being busy in the springtime the bikes need to be ready for the by the first race so we can get through the spring part without doing a lot of you know teardown time and stuff so actually been doing a lot of honeydews that I haven't done for three or four years.
0: So. <laughs> so now now you're in good graces. So it was your wife's fault that, that we have the COVID nineteen. We'll blame it all on your wife so we yeah, can get the honeydews yeah. done. Yep,
2: yeah, but I've got my points built up so I'm good to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Go. Well I love it. So you have so much history. Uh, I think I've been wanting to have you on for just about as long as as uh, as I can, you know. Say we've had the podcast, but I know you're you're kind of a quiet guy and don't like to elaborate on things. But uh, I'll try to make this as painless as possible. But when we had Ronnie Jones on, it's really what I wanted to have you on because I know you've worked with a lot of people. But I want to start way back at the beginning. So uh, let's go all the way back. So where were you born?
2: Well, you know, I'm a. Uh, South Dakota boy. There you go. My parents traveled for a year. I was actually born in Dallas, Texas. Really born there, but really probably conceived even in South Dakota and lived my life in South Dakota. Grew up there. Come down to Iowa in, in uh, about 77. Okay. So, y- yeah, we had were... the South Dakota...
0: There you go. So you you grew up in Huron, South Dakota, which is not too far out of Sioux Falls. Uh, What's it like growing up there? I I only spent like the first eight years of my life, you know, right there in Sioux Falls. But what was it like for you growing up in Huron, South Dakota?
2: Oh, you know, really typical of a young, you know, I've been into sports of all kinds. You know, watch car racing, which back then was just Formula racings. About the only thing it ever made TV. Mm-hmm.
3: But, you
2: know, into all the sports, and my dad got me into motorcycles when I was about ten. So um, I've been doing that every. You know, once we started going to the racetrack uh, back in the seventies, probably been doing it ever since actually.
0: Wow. So how how did you how did your dad get in get into the races?
2: Well, he was. Uh, <laughs> He was actually had had him when he was younger. You know, he had a an old Harley like everybody did at that time. But
3: mm-hmm.
2: actually, the guy come out to recruit him at his motorcycle shop to recruit him for church. Hmm. And they had actually been racing a little bit. Well, once my dad started racing, then he then of course church was out because that's when the races were, were on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: it. Uh, he was just always into something that was fun and exciting. So he's the one that really got me started in everything got business and motorcycles.
0: Okay. Did, did you ever race flat track? I know you went to a lot of races and, and Graham's got some stories about you, but did you ever try racing?
2: Well, we ra when we raced in South Dakota, you know, we pretty much had gravel pits to race in. Mm-hmm. So that was our racetrack. Okay. Uh, we had some, a few riding areas and, Back in those days, they, you know, I was in a motorcycle club, Prairie Ramblers, and I think your guys, your parents were in the Sioux Valley Cycle Club, something like that, in Sioux Falls. Mm
3: -hmm. But,
2: you know, I would drive with my dad in the car, and we would drive up, you know, he raced against your your dad and your grandpa, probably more your grandpa. Wow. uh, So we go back a ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I My dad told me that, that you actually told him that you knew of the doublers before there even was a Scotty Dubler. So you're, I'm not going to say you're old, but you're a little bit older than me.
2: Yeah, I'm not quite dust,
0: but. <laughs> all right. Well, Graham, Graham says, you know, her first memories of you was she used to work sign-ups and she'd run the pit gate and all different things. And she remembered you coming to the track and uh, just hanging out as as a kid and then just progressively seeing you more and more at the races.
2: Yeah, um, you know, because my dad raced, and then I started racing, and of course, he had a Yamaha. You know, we had a Yamaha shop back then, so I usually got a new bike ne- every year, and so I usually had pretty good bikes to ride. And nice. But, uh, All right. Just way of competing, like I said, I've been in sports. I'm still a sports nut, you know. So I just like competition. I guess.
0: Okay. What? While well, we're talking about that, what's your favorite sports team? I mean, do you like football better or basketball, and do you have a favorite team?
2: I've always been kind of a, a Cowboy and Colts fan, but okay, my uncle had the Colts taken, so I had to take the Cowboys, and I've been <laughs> stuck with them through thick and thin and mostly thin
0: well, for quite a while. Well, we won't hold that against you. I mean, it is America's yeah, team, but, you know. Yep. <laughs> so so how how long do you think that that you race flat track
2: well you know i probably i only raced flat track probably maybe two years okay Uh, because like most of our stuff was like scrambles yeah more of a tt style scrambles tracks is what they were called we did some grass tracks you know they go out in the middle of the field and just build a track and
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know they were called meets back then i believe Right, that's a long time ago, so that you know early seventies, okay. so but uh, the then when I moved to Iowa, I actually did a year and uh, when I actually got my pro sport license, and that's when I figured that you know what, I don't need to be riding the darn things uh, okay i wasn't definitely wasn't good enough to be racing them. Uh, I got you. But I worked on them, and I could build bikes and things like that. So that was, and of course having to work all the time, you know, to earn a living. I, uh, I just continued building them and working on them. That way was my way to compete, or my
0: way of comp- competition, anyway. I got you. So what took you to uh, Ottawa Iowa?
2: <laughs> well, that'd be the, that'd be Jerry Cheney. Okay, uh, that's another name that you're folks raced against and knew from South Dakota, another South Dakota boy. Mm -hmm. Um, He moved down here. I'm not sure what year, but the long story short, the, the dealership here just opened up and they needed a mechanic. And he said he thought he knew where there was one that, um, and I use that term loosely because, you (laughs) you know, um, I'm not sure what I knew in in '74, just out of high school. So, but that's how I that's how I got down here. Is Jerry Cheney had been down here and he was been dirt track forever, right? Um, and I just started working in the shop and um, then in I think 1980 was my first year in the dirt track. '79, '80. Um, okay. With Jay Beach and the. Beach family out of South Dakota.
0: I got you. So, so I, knew, I knew, I've knew. i heard the name before, and obviously there's J.D. Beach who races now, and his dad used to race, but that's no relationship, right? There's, they're not no. related at all?
2: No, nope. okay. his family was uh, out of South Dakota. There, his dad owned a power line business. That was his fame and fortune, and then his boys got into dirt track.
0: So, okay, and- Jay Beach was the faster one, too, right? I mean, there was a couple of them that raced. Is that right?
2: Yeah, he was a wilder one. Actually, his older brother was faster, but he, you know, he ended up going in the Marines, and uh, I think he's working for American Airlines to this day.
0: So, oh wow, wow, okay. So, so uh, yeah, they you, were both,
2: did... you know, from from where we came from, they were pretty quick.
0: Did you travel with them, or did they race kind of like local stuff, like up up there, Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota stuff, or did you guys go further with them?
2: Well, they started doing that, and then, so of course, his dad couldn't get away. You know, again, long story short, uh, mm-hmm. they were at the Houston Astrodome one winter, and they started the Daytona Flat Track Series. Right. Uh, and his dad says, Well, there's only one guy that I would let that I know that I would let you travel with. Um, and that was me. So they actually called me at my shop here in Iowa
3: mm-hmm. from
2: the Astrodome. Wow. And of course, no, they didn't have cell phones. It was on right. paper.
3: <laughs> right.
2: So uh, <laughs> that's really how I got into I said, Yeah, I'll go. You know, I really didn't even know what I was getting into.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. So. That's awesome. So how long did you work for the Beach family and for those boys?
2: Oh, 79, 80 up till about 85 was the last year.
0: Oh, wow. And okay.
2: And we actually started RJ Performance, was Rick and Jay, in 1982. But in 84, 85, uh, I just needed to get... I needed to be a little more stable because I had to kind of take care of myself in the future. So, um, anyway, I ended up buying Jay's half out and, uh, have been doing that ever since.
0: So RJ performance is the shop you have in the tumble. I've been there a couple of times and you, you showed me around quite a bit. What, what lines do you carry right now? I know, I know it's a big dealership, but tell me all the lines you carry.
2: Well, we're Polaris, Indian. Uh, of course, we had the Victory Line that they just stopped. But uh, mm-hmm. we're Yamaha, ATVs, dirt bikes, street bikes, and watercraft. Wow. And we sell a few odds and end things, you know. Right. But uh, right. we do a pretty big, uh, pretty big online business, so it's kind of just going with the flow, basically. Mm-hmm. to be able to grow and instead of being it, stuck in the well that's the way we always did it mode so
0: right right yeah you
2: wouldn't you wouldn't believe the place
0: <laughs> yeah it, i bet i bet it's changed a lot since i've been there last but so owning the shop uh kind of gives you the freedom to go do you know go to the races when you can so you know as long as i've known you you've always been a tuner at the racetrack so after the beach family who did you work for next as a, as a tuner
2: Well, uh, you know, we ended up in the middle of the year Uh, we ended that deal, and uh, actually Ronnie Jones was traveling by himself at that time, I don't remember exactly why, Mm -hmm. but uh, he actually called me and needed some help the rest of the year. So, God, I I started, you know, I worked for him for half a season, then Lance Jones, uh, and then I was back with Ronnie again for a while. Timmy uh-huh. Mertens, you know, we worked together for okay. a while. Yeah. Uh, and assisted other ones along the way. Um, I remember Eric Roush, David Lloyd, of course. Wow. Nick Bailey was actually from Mutomwa here. Yeah. He was national number 39. Okay. Then, of course, um, I worked with Brett Landis and Jim Landis of the Undo race team worked for them for quite a few years
0: so what before we move away from Ronnie Jones and Lance Jones all those guys I'm assuming this is in the 80s what was it like you know being being a tuner during that era of flat track with you know so many fast guys I think when anybody that made the main could line up and win a race uh what was it like back then you know working for those guys you just mentioned
2: well you know at that time I hell I still didn't you know, there were so many things I didn't know. I mean, I'm still learning today what I didn't know, you know, then.
0: Right, right.
2: <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, we were always shoestring budget, which, you know. that's. Mm-hmm. Just, and I really pretty much, hey, I was just a tuner. I didn't have, I wasn't sponsor. I wasn't any of that. You know, I was, I just had to devote my time and energy. And so it was... uh you know, a lot of learning. Right. A lot of learning. You know, I I learned a lot from the riders and from the tracks and Isakoff, Carl Patrick, you know, Harry Lilly, Ray Plum. That's wow. That's the guys that kind of taught me the ropes as far as tuning. Right. Um. So. You know, Ray Plum was with Honda. Uh, you remember Harry Lilly, I'm.
0: Yep, sure. yep, I sure do. Yeah,
2: he, he was Rotax, and he did a lot of Honda's work for him on the side. And then Carl Port Patrick, of course, he's he's been he's been a Harley guru for a long time.
0: So, in, in your mind, what was easier to work on, the RS 750 Honda or the XR 750 Harley?
2: Well, probably for me, it was the Honda was more what I was used to because I was always around a metric dealership, you know?
0: Okay. Right. And right.
2: The Harleys were more time consuming. And when I come home and had to work to make a living, it was,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
2: it just fit, you know, the Hondas fit my schedule a lot better.
0: I gotcha. Um, um you, you mentioned Brett Landis a little bit and I think, I think he's kind of an underrated guy. I mean, he won two Grand Nationals. You know, 1995 Daytona Short Track and 2003 Springfield TT. But uh, he kind of flew under the radar. But he was—he was a man. I thought he was a very talented rider.
2: Well, you know, we—you know—we had a lot. Our first race together, we won the nationals. So we really thought, you know, what? This is weird. This—this this was meant to be, you know. And then, mm-hmm. uh, I don't. You know, we weren't cocky or anything. We were never cocky. It was just not our game. Um, but yeah, you know, he got hurt a couple times, and you know, we all know Davey Camlin and all that. So, you know, it just really wasn't meant to be. And and there's other riders that fall in that same category. So, right, uh, it's just not an easy sport. That's for sure. You know, it's right. It's a tough sport and tough way to make a living for sure,
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah, a lot of things have to be clicking in order to, to win races, and especially like you know the time that we're talking about when when Landis was going fast uh you know a lot there was a lot of, of fast guys out there, you know um the team undo you, you mentioned were you part of that team when Ricky Graham was there too?
2: nope, that was uh. I was the year after they split up. Okay. You know, I really don't remember. I don't know that they really had any big issues between each other, but I think they were just, it was time for them to, to break apart, you know, because it was Ricky and, and Brett were the two riders. But no, when when they split up is when I was on board with the Undo team.
0: Okay. How, how long would you say, you say you wrenched for Ronnie Jones? Do you remember how long that was?
2: Oh, yeah, we did that, uh, you know, the first time was just for the for the six months, but we were together for a couple, three years there, three, okay. four years, because we also we did the Laurel Lake race team together.
3: Right, um, right. Uh,
2: California there. Right. And uh, Al and Lorraine Bergstrom and the Bergstrom family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rod Lake was a big sponsor of that, too. So, Right. you know, I've just been able to meet a lot of really good people, smart people, Fun people, been really interesting. You know, you could, you know, it's almost priceless. You can't learn that. You know, if I would have stayed in Iowa that whole time, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have grown as a person as much, for sure.
0: So, before we move on to to what's going on currently with you and the and the team, uh, for a while there was a super tracker class, and and I was racing that class, and and I was on something that was kind of crazy and and different. It was a Yamaha TDM 850. And yep. you brought something to the track that was totally different too. It, it looked different. Um, tell me about that. I know I'm, I'm pre- pretty sure it was a Honda, if I remember right. But tell me about that bike and, and who was riding it.
2: Well, we actually had two of them. We had that 916 Ducati. Oh yeah. And
0: we had that, and we had that uh,
2: 998 Honda. Okay. Um, so it was a like thousand, but they called it a 998, I think, or 996, but. And of course at that the Project Two Thousand, I believe, is what it was called. Mm-hmm. But we stayed too close and Jim Landis was a big part of that too. You know, looking back, we just stayed too close to the what we thought the class needed to be. We probably would have been okay, but uh, Gary Stolzenberg, yeah, he's like, Well these aren't these are not gonna work. So the first thing he does is start building, you know, the, dirt track the, chassis
3: uh-huh. for the
2: Suzuki stuff. But that class, you know, that's why they looked weird, is because they were stock chassis and yeah, they were harder to ride. There was no doubt about that. Uh, right. Larry Pegram rode once, I remember it, uh, a couple times he rode it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think it put him in the hay bales at Indy, I believe.
0: Yep. I uh, think so. You
2: know, they, they just didn't like to turn. They had a little you know, they they kind of twist and then unwind, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but
3: yeah.
1: you know, we
2: ours were Um, John Kite helped us a bunch with that, but they were, again, they stayed more along that Project 2000 going forward what it might be, but ended up it kind of changed because once they started dirt track chassis, then that pretty well put them in the, you know, out in the cold. Right. And we didn't have the, we didn't have the money behind us, you know, Uh, we didn't really think it was wise to spend that kind of money to chase that. And ultimately, it wasn't. So. Right,
0: right. Do you, do you still have those two bikes you were just talking about?
2: No, I think one of them went down to Georgia. I think a guy by the name of Skeeter owned it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, that sounds about I right see see for somebody it. from Georgia.
2: Well, sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, and I think i seen that thing a year or so ago, a couple of years back anyway. 916 Ducati went to Jeff. Oh, I wish I could say his last name. He is a uh, a kid from California that his dad is really rich in the dirt track. You know, era. okay, yeah. So he he owned a lot of old race bikes and stuff like that, and I believe he still has it. But I, geez, I haven't talked to him for a long time.
0: Okay, so you mentioned a guy named Trent Bailey who is who's from right there in Otumwa, Iowa. Uh, He had the national number 39 for a little while. And then your stepson, which I know you call it, he's basically your son. You you call him your son too. Oh yeah. Uh, Matt Burton also had the number 39 from right there in a tunnel. How long, how long did Matt race?
2: Well, you know, he didn't get to race much because I was always gone. Uh, So
0: he's running the shop.
2: He, uh, once I backed out of full time on the dirt track circuit, then him and I were able to go dirt tracking and, you know, he was, like you say, he was national number thirty-nine and made some main events, TTs and short tracks. And mm-hmm. I always tried to keep him off of the big motors because we didn't have the money to do that. And gotcha. But he did ride that Super Tracker a few times, and okay. uh, he rode that Honda at uh, Chicago. Okay. Half mile.
0: Joe Joliet. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And he was yep.
2: he was bouncing off the wall a couple times. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's why we're not racing. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I gotcha you know we did the AMA Supermoto National Series Mm -hmm. and had pretty good success with that Uh, in fact Jake Johnson raced a few even uh, Sammy Halbert was at a couple of them and uh, but you know Matt had numerous wins in the 250 lights class and then a couple runner up finishes in the standings so so, you know, we had a good, good run at it for, uh, you know, I took him all the farther I could take him and, uh, you know, then the economy kind of took a dive and, and then after that, it was about time to stay home and work the business. So,
0: okay. So he kind of left racing and then you kind of left for a little while or I didn't see you for a little while. Yep. Um, yep. when did you get hooked up with Robbie Pearson?
2: Well, you know, in 2017, I had a heart attack.
0: And oh, had, wow. Uh,
2: that's how it started. Okay. Yep, I had uh, five bypass, and it's like, you know, I laid there for quite a while just thinking, okay, what do you really want to do? You know, do you really, and you know, it really come down to stress, stress and hereditary. So it's okay. like, oh, great. The two things you can't measure, you know wasn't you know I wasn't the best physical condition but I've not been you know terrible at it mm-hmm. but it was pretty much right anyway so um, I, and that's about when they started they were of course I was an Indian dealer so I knew what was going on with Indian and that dirt tracker mm-hmm. and so I watched that I believe Joe was riding it that fall so I and then that you know, I started watching on the, on the phone and that just got me hooked again. You know, I, you know, fans choice. I, it just got me hooked. I was just watching the race. like, God, I God, that's, I remember that, you
3: know? Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so, but I, I really bought one just to own it. I was like, you know what? If they only make 50 of them, it's, you know, it, it will at least hold its value. Right. And, uh, Shit! it wasn't a year later, I was back on the, back in the
0: circuit, <laughs> told my wife,
2: uh, four races,
0: Yeah. <laughs> four, or five
2: races. four or five races, we'll see how it goes. And, you know,
0: so four or five races, yeah. how did, how did those four or five races go?
2: Well, you know how it is, Scotty, you just like, oh man, we, we can do better than that. You know, we just, you know, it wasn't bad, but it's like, you know, hell I was rusty. I didn't, you know, still shoestring budget, you know, major, but, right. But, uh, we had enough to buy the bike and, and the gas for the truck and all that. So, and we've had other sponsors helping us too, for sure. But yeah, that four or five races, then it was like, you know, what was that two years ago now over two years ago? Yeah. I, again, I just, I thought I'd buy the bike and I would just be the tuner, you know, Robbie's Uh race team. And I would just join up with him, help him try to win that national that he's always, you know, wanted
0: to yeah. accomplish. Yep.
2: And I went from that to being sponsor, tuner, driver, you know, wash boy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the
0: word. whole nine yards. We, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. We laugh about it all the time with my buddy, Doug Stokesbury, And he's, you know, in fact, when I bought the bike and I was not planning on racing when I bought, ordered that bike, I that was not I had not made a decision. And he goes, oh, shit, we're going racing, aren't we? I go, no. no. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going racing,
0: I can tell. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. So those those first few races, how long after that did you make the decision to say, we're going all in, I'm going all out, we're going to go race every race? So was there a moment that you decided that? Was it a certain track and a certain finish you decided that, that hey, let's go do it? Or was it Doug Stooksbury talking you into it?
2: No, he didn't have to really do that. He, you know, he... You know, we just talk about it and sensible about it. It's like, well, hey, is that the best we can do? No. So
3: it's
2: <laughs> and like we say, driving. You know, it's like that that golf shot that keeps you going back.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You got one shot around that keeps you going back. Right. Um, but you know, we felt like we were improving slowly but surely slower than we had hoped but again it goes back to shit if it was easy everybody be doing it so
0: exactly
2: you know once them competitive juices start flowing you just uh, it's I, it's hard to explain and i you know you know it racers know it but
3: mm-hmm. you know
2: the general public doesn't really know they kind of them guys nuts or what you know and i'm not talking about the riders i'm just <laughs>
0: right right
2: you guys drive all that way and turn around and drive all the way back it's like <laughs> got to get back so she can make some money. That's uh, right. That's right. So, can go, that's again. Right. so can go again, yeah.
0: So, let's uh let's talk about, you know, again, how did you decide Robbie Pearson was the guy to ride your Indian?
2: Well, he's a you know, we've known Robbie, him and Matt grew up racing against you know, we're, they raced against each other. Uh of course Robbie was you know, he run the full year every year and we were part-timers, but you know, you you get to know people and they're from Illinois. We're from Iowa. So we did a lot of, you know, we were doing a lot of Illinois local races. So, mm-hmm. so we got to know him over the years. And again, I was thinking that he had a, a team and I would just assist with it, you know? And, um, but uh, the competitiveness in me just didn't let me, I like things a certain way and, and, uh, he just needed help, and we felt like we could provide that help. You know, everybody likes Robbie. You know, there's no doubt about that. He's well liked and well mannered, and I think there's only him and a couple riders have a couple, you know, their hairs stands up on their arms with each other. But, but that's normal. You know.
0: Right, right. <laughs> I like it. Yes.
2: Yeah, everybody, everybody likes Robbie.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Let's talk about 2019 just a little bit. Uh, what you know, when I was looking through my notes and getting everything ready for this. Uh, interview with you i didn't realize that he had 13 top 10 finishes last year out of the 18 races uh and finished eighth in the point standings with the best finish of fourth so i know you had some highs and some lows um the lows i think would be rapid city when when you guys had the crash and and weren't able to make it out to sacramento but uh you put some put into words your 2019 were you happy with the results you guys had yeah
2: well, it's one of them things. Like I said, it's the golf shot that keeps coming back. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
2: if you if you look at points, and, and I'm just I'm going to be close, but not exact. Right. We had that four four race stretch coming up, four or five races coming up, and it started with the Black Hills, Rapid mm-hmm. City, and and Sturgis, and you know I said before because we were. I'm going to say we were like 12 or 13 points out of like 4th or 5th place. And we were really, we felt really good. Um, And I said before we went there, I said, guys, this is, these four races can make or break the season. And of course you've seen everybody see what most people saw what happened at Rapid City, um, not anyone's fault necessarily at all but it did happen and does happen once in a while and you know that it really didn't hurt Robbie's confidence because he was after that tumble he felt really good he was strong he was he's probably in his best shape he's ever been in Um, and that was I said that's why you don't feel as bad as you should feel you know Mm -hmm. after that tumble And we did actually go to Sacramento and that's where, um, a good mechanic comes in handy because we had a bike issue. Well, we only had one bike. The other one was laying in the back of the race truck all mangled up. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So uh, we had a little, we had a breakdown there. Um, so anyway, we're down to one bike the rest of the year. So we, you know, we struggled a little bit, but we came back and we, you know, we finished eighth and could have been could have been better, could have been worse, but we all just, at the end of the year, we just wanted to go home and think about it for a while, and of course, we knew there were some big changes coming, so we weren't really, but as a team, we really thought we didn't do as well as we could have, um, for, for whatever reasons, but. We thought we really feel like we can be better.
0: You, you obviously want to keep improving, and that's what everybody does. It's you know competitive like we are. Um, talk about those off-season discussions. How did those go? And you know, how, was it hard to make the decision to have you know, you know the the new team, the new format, and be you know one of the Super Twins teams?
2: Well, yeah, it wasn't easy because we, you know, we don't. As a team, you know, we really didn't have the big sponsors. We don't, um, you know, we didn't have what we thought we needed at first. But, you know, when it come come time to make the decision to do it or not do it, uh, you know, we had people that stepped up and that have been behind Robbie and that has been behind the team. And... Myself and we just said, "Hey, come on, we got to try." You know, we. um, If it was about making money, we'd stay home. You know, (laughs) Um, that's kind of how racing is. You know, you. If it was all about, if it was just about the money, well, you'd stay home and work. But right. But we had people that were interested in helping, and and when it come down to it. We said, well, we need to know now or, you know, and uh, they stepped up. And, and so we, you know, here we were. We were, you know, we went we went down to Daytona. We felt like we were ready. Mm-hmm. And we'll never know that but because we got to unload.
0: We didn't get to run the Daytona TT, but up at Volusia, you guys were down there. You know, the team was ready to go. Um, I was impressed that, that Bugs had, had the quick time at the volusia tt that steve nace put on you know and i was actually surprised at how well that track held together you know bringing sand into a track is not always easy um but bugs was bugs was flying but when they started the race he started on the back row and he let them go and I, i i haven't quite figured that out so can you walk us through what you guys were thinking that day
2: well we we were there just for practice um we knew there was nothing to be won really by you know banging bars yet and mm-hmm. um you know we were really just wanted to get Robbie comfortable on the bike again right off the bat which he was um and um and he can't he couldn't do that if he was starting out with him because if he would have started out with him he would have been trying to win it <laughs> hmm <laughs> i hear you we really we really weren't there for that we wanted to make sure that um uh, the bike was doing what it was supposed to be doing and and um you know the one thing about a tuner is you're you know you're tuning on the motorcycle but you're always tuning on your rider too um you know some of them um you know, they have to understand sometimes that you can not ride as hard and actually go faster yet. So, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what was happening there because he, you know, he wasn't racing anybody. He was just racing the track is what is what you try to teach him anyway or try to, you know, you race the track, you know. And, uh... Again, though, it was just practice, so it was nice that it, at least we weren't the slowest, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, at least we we still, you know, it was like, okay, well, we can, that's something we can go to Daytona TT and start with. Because we were a little, you know, we were probably as fresh as anybody because we hadn't been anywhere else, and a lot of them guys had already been to a couple tracks, or at least mm-hmm. practiced That's one thing about highway, you know, you don't really have that kind of winter that you can get out on the ice a little bit and stuff like that. But we had to shake the cobwebs out and he actually did it fairly quick. So we felt, we felt good about that anyway.
0: Yeah. I I was impressed with, with his times for sure. He, he definitely looked like he hadn't missed a beat. Um, how, how does it go to get a, a gut punch of Daytona cancellation just after you unload and the past couple of months with no races, uh, the momentum that he got at Volusia is probably all gone. Um, so, what's it like right now, just sitting in limbo?
2: Well, you know we you know we have a plan. There's other you can see what everybody else is doing. You know they're you know they're busting it. They're doing what they think to keep themselves prepared. But you know, riders don't forget how to ride. I believe that they they do not forget how to ride. They just um, main thing is keeping in good shape. But I would rather back off a little bit this time, and I think that's kind of what we're doing—just back off a little bit. Because if and when and we start racing, um, it's going to be pretty demanding. So uh, you don't want to burn out too early. And again, that's just our opinion. You know, we're not leaders of the sport or anything. That's just what what we're doing for ourselves and and with my business. That's you know, they make it easy because they lock you down in your area, but. Uh, my business has been fortunate enough to be open by appointment, et cetera, et cetera. But, but as far as the racing, we just kind of, you know, backed off. Because, you know, you can kind of read into what's going on and and what you're talking with AFT and things keep getting pushed back. And To me, it seems like July can happen, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I think they're getting ready to announce some things this week. I'm not sure if it's this week. It's already Wednesday, so they may have announced it. and I don't know yet, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you haven't missed nothing because I'm, I'm I'm checking my phones and checking my emails because I'm ready to go racing too. Um, yeah. While you're talking while you're talking about that, there's kind of like a little mini national this weekend at Travelers Rest. Um, it doesn't sound like you guys are going. So it kind of sounds like you're waiting and see what the AFT show is going to do. So is that right? or Are you going to go to South Carolina uh, this weekend? Well,
2: well, to be honest, I didn't. I didn't know much about it till probably three or four days ago. You know, I knew I knew Johnny was doing his thing with the futures, but I didn't know any about the anything about the the twins class or anything that they were setting up for there. So I don't know that we would have won anyway. Okay, uh, we're going to save what we have, and if they tell us we're going to race in July. Then we're going to be, make damn sure we're ready then. Uh, Perfect. You know, it's going to be a slam bam thing if it happens. So
0: I I think, you know, with a TV deal like that, and I'm not speaking on behalf of AFT or anything like that, but, you know, they've got an 18 race. Package with the tv so that tells me in the way i'm reading it and it's you know i'm speculating here but i'm thinking we're gonna get 18 rounds in but it you know like you said it's gonna be cram packed and we're gonna have to be ready to go so i like what you're doing i like your decision to hold off and just be ready to go when when they say go
2: yeah we'll see if that works
0: right (laughs) yeah yeah sounds good to me (laughs) yeah hey lee we're gonna be in the main (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's 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 one that's thing a, that you know, you're you're guaranteed to be in the main event. That's gotta take some pressure off of you as a mechanic, it's gotta take pressure off of bugs as a rider.
2: Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out because it's like we were driving down to Daytona, it's like we're going along and all of a sudden I just yelled out, We're in the main
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love Which it. Which
2: is really strange. I don't I, I just don't know if I I I don't know what that's going to be like. You know, that was the the build up, you know, is going there. Is like, yeah, you know, I need to get in the main, need to get in the main. You know, we need to, this needs to happen, that needs to happen. And uh, so now it's going to be a little more, not that it's going to be any real different, but it can be a little more strategic. You know, I think there's some things that you could do a little bit different because you don't always have to be in the front row to win a race. Right. Uh, you know, some tracks you do. There's no doubt some tracks you do, but and we don't even know what tracks are going to be at yet, so it'll be interesting,
0: no doubt. Absolutely. Do you think the timed races are beneficial? I mean, I think it works good with TV, but do you think uh, there'll be much difference at the races when you know that, you know, we're going 20 minutes plus two laps or whatever the case may be?
2: Yeah, I guess the only thing that I had uh, questioned was fuel mileage on certain tracks, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And they claim that they have that all factored in, but you know how that works. I, I really don't know what to think about it. I,
0: okay,
2: I think dirt tracks are totally. I mean, we all know dirt tracks are totally different things. So it's not like we're racing on pavement, and the tr- you know, and then you got a little bit of rain can stop you in a hurry.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, there's
2: just a lot of factors for for TV. You know, it's just. I don't know that it's it's going to take more than that in my mind uh, than just saying okay we're twenty 20 minutes and two laps. I, but yep. But again, I'm just I'm just a South Dakota boy. <laughs>
0: <And> <laughs> so am I. <laughs> I love we're it. We're along so, for the ride.
2: Exactly.
0: We're for the ride. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> we're not going to change the rules. They will. So and, um, and we'll. And we will be there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. Uh, before we get too far away from your team, I want to talk about some of the big players. Um, I, I've got some names written down, but I don't want to leave anybody out. So uh, we mentioned D- Doug Stukesbury. He He's the gentleman that goes with you to, I think, all the races, and he helps work on the oh, bikes. Right. Uh, does he do anything oh, yeah. else? I mean, does he help drive to the, tr- the races? And, and how oh, big God. of a, a part of the team is he? He's
2: he's beside me or behind me all the time, you know, um, without him, we couldn't do it because I can't, you know, I just couldn't do it without him. And he's, you know, somebody that I trust. I'm kind of fussy, a somebody that I can trust. And we just work, we work really good together. We have our own, you know, we have our own ideas and it's always good to bounce out. You know, if everybody had the same idea, you probably wouldn't get very far.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, or as far and nope, he's uh he's big, he lives right down the street, so you know, he takes he takes care of the truck, you know, he does he does it all. You know, the bikes, he you know, helps me with everything. So he was right. We went racing again.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Uh the next one I have on my list here is Kenny Height and I think, you know, one of the sponsors on your list is Height Trucking. So he's a sponsor, but he also goes to the races and helps out too. What is his role?
2: Well, you know, first of all, Kenny and Doug and I are all good friends, and uh, but Kenny really stepped up. He's, you know, he owns a trucking company, of course, and and uh, he's just helped us out tremendously. Uh, moral support. Again, he has. It's more ideas, and he's got a little different outlook on it because he's not. or he's more in the motocross. We work good with the three of us because we have different ideas, the same but different, I should say. Mm-hmm. So he's a great friend and a big sponsor and a big help to the team. And uh, he'd he'd be there one hundred percent of the time if he wasn't so darn busy. You know, he just. But again, that goes back to that's part of what keeps the team going too. So the hard work that he puts in and chooses to spend his money on the team, of course, he's. You know, we all get along with everybody. Gets along with Robbie, right? So
0: right, right.
2: Uh, huge, huge help. That's gotcha. It's fun to do it with people like that.
0: Couple others on my list here. I got David Brown, and and I I think I remember Davy. I used to call him Davy, but he he likes going by David Brown. Uh, he's been yep. going to the races for a really long time, and he still looks like he's about twenty one years old.
2: Oh, David, we that goes back into the Timmy Mertens days is when we first met David. And, uh, you know, great guys, he gets to as many races as he can, but he helped us, you know, he's out in California there. So if he's back home, he'd be at a lot more of them, I'm
0: sure. And, uh, I've got Brian Hawkins on here too. I don't, I don't know a lot about yep. Brian. Can you, can you tell me what part of the team he, he plays?
2: Well, yeah, Brian's, uh, actually out of Peoria area. So we, you know, again, we goes back to the local, we met these people racing in Illinois, Iowa races. And uh, really good guy. He helps he you know he you know he's built some radiator stuff for us and helps us out with the welding and he's a you know a bit of a fabricator too. so um, he just loves dirt track. Uh, knows Sammy you know he knows, knows a lot of people. Uh, great guy, great family. so um, and that's kind of
0: what we're all about. Gotcha. Did, it, did I leave anybody out, or is that pretty much cover the oh, whole team? Oh yeah, we
2: have. Well, no, we have Stacy and Jeff out of Country Saloon in Peoria, there, East Peoria. Mm-hmm. Big sponsors of us. They they stepped up. You know, when we needed the help, been a big twenty seven supporter for years. Uh, John and Shirley Franklin. You know, he goes way back. You know, he's one of them guys that's ridden to a lot of races on his on his Harley Davidson. I got to check and see if he's got that indian racing flag up in his garage and i don't know if he will put it up in there but we'll have to ask him about that
3: so <laughs> no
2: he's a he's helped us out big time this year too so and then randy rothy is uh he's out of the chicago area uh, a big bug supporter and for years and recluse clutches you know for a small team like ours uh, you know, I can't even tell you how much they helped us out, John, at Recluse last year and and this year. You know, maybe giving us some help and information that others would not. When we have hmm. questions, I could talk to them. You know, the Patterson family, you know, Terry, you've stayed at TP's, yep. haven't you? Yeah.
0: I haven't stayed yep. out there, but but I've hung out with, with really? them out there, and they've come and met me at different yeah. places. I think they bought me uh, some food a couple different times, but yeah, I know TP.
2: Oh, Yeah. Well, the Patterson family—they've put us up for, oh God, how many years is this, you know, going on? You know, Peoria Motorcycles, a big, big, uh, big help, a big fan of Robbie's. So, and then Gary and Ind- Gary and Dean at Indian—you uh, know—they don't share as much as they—I'd like them to share with me, but, mm-hmm. but. They definitely help the team like they do
0: others. It's awesome to have a lot of lot of great people behind you. It sounds like they're almost all your friends first, and sponsors and helpers of the team second. So I actually got a question from Bugs. He he, uh, we were texting earlier today, and he wants uh-huh. to know. Yep. he he wants to know on the air when you're going to build him a rotax for these outlaw races. Uh, he wants to go. He wants he wants a framer or a rotax. He said, "Can see what you can do."
2: Oh my God. <laughs> yeah well i uh I just gotta work on selling this business, and then we maybe we could do that, but I can only handle so many things but trust me yeah. i trust me, I think about it, I think about a lot of things I shouldn't do, so we were just talking about that the other day. It's like well, there's gotta be something out there that we could buy that's ready that we could just have to maintain, you know,
0: uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, the easy way well, to do it, but nothing, nothing's that easy. Well, I know it. I know it. <laughs> so are are you guys just probably going to run the nationals this year if we get to racing? Um, you know, like we we mentioned a couple different times, if we do get to racing or when we get to racing, I think it's going to be pretty much jam-packed. Will you, we you even try to do any of the outlaw races, or is that up to Robbie, or how does that work you out? Know,
2: I, I would – well, the problem is if you don't have that bike that we're talking about, you know, you end up riding – you know, and Hey, the people that want to help are great, but you can't, you can't race the guys that you're going to race with stuff that's not prepared, you know, Mm -hmm. and it just, you know what it's like, Scotty, it just takes a lot to do that. So it's like, I don't think we're going to have any time to do any of that, Okay. but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a bad idea just to be able to get on a on it, a couple tracks to get loosened up again, but we're going to
0: rely on our experience. How's that?
2: I'd rather have Kenny Talbert's or Jared Meese experience, but we're going to well, go with what we know.
0: Well, that will just make it even sweeter when you beat those guys.
2: Well, uh, you know that's what we're trying to do, and that's that's again that's that's the competitive part. It's not easy, but what? we're going to keep trying.
0: I love it. I love it. I cannot wait for Robbie to win his first national. And uh, uh, I think with with your help and your support and the other guys we just mentioned, he's got as good a shot as as he's ever had. So hopefully it happens here real uh, soon.
2: You know we you know Peoria. We should have been on the box. I don't. I'm not saying we could have run with Breyer, but we we took ourselves out of that. But the really the race last year uh, was mechanic was not Mechanicsburg.
0: Williams uh, Williams, Grove. Williams Grove. Yeah.
2: That race track and race was one that we could have run up there because we did. Robbie did in the heat race.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, he about got taken down in the first, second corner at the start. And I think if you look back, I think there was there was laps the last half of the race. That he was the fastest one on the track, and he was coming forward. Uh, he, mm-hmm. So that was a race that, and there's going to possibly be some of them type of tracks. And we just have to be ready. We'll try to be ready.
0: Robbie's a fun one to watch. When the track gets rougher, it doesn't slow him down one bit. And I think that comes from all the races he's ridden through his life. When when the tracks aren't good or or there's a hole here or something like that, he's not scared of them. He 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 seems to shine when the track's rougher. Yeah. Either that or everybody else just slows down. I I don't know which is the the case, but that's you know if there's a rough track or if something starts happening with the track, I think Robbie's the man to beat.
2: Yep. And I think that's some of the stuff that we've helped him improve on is um, is the smoother tracks, the better tracks. You know he's he's fairly competitive. He's very competitive race time wise.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now we got to put it together in the actual race itself, you know, between setup and just keeping yourself or getting yourself in that right position to be successful.
0: yeah, he. He's right there, Rick. He is right there. I think he's going to win one here real soon. Uh, one more thing before we have a, a few random questions, uh, some Graham's questions coming up and then some rapid-fire questions. But one more question. Uh, we just heard recently that Peoria is canceled. That's got to be a huge bummer for you and your team, and especially Robbie because he's from right down the road in, in Pekin oh, okay. and, and around there. So talk us through how, how does that you know that's – that's got to be hard on a team that goes good there.
2: Yeah, that, that – uh... Is a bummer for sure. Um, Again, we should have easily been on the podium there last year. We shouldn't have been coming from the back like he had to do. But uh, even then he got to the podium on the last lap and got split up at the flagman. But uh, (laughs) no excuses. Yeah, we're bummed. But, uh, you know, we're hanging on. We're hoping they're going to figure out a way to have a TT somehow. If not, we'll just have to go win a half mile or maybe the tuner can get his act together and we can do well on a mile.
0: <laughs> I love it, Rick. You're, you're so awesome to talk to you. Uh, before we wrap up the, the episode, we, we usually have Graham's question and, and you know, I think you've known Graham longer than I've been alive. So uh, she, she was, she had to think on this one for a couple of days, uh, but she wants to know Uh-oh. who were your heroes growing up when, you know, you're from South Dakota from here on. So uh, did you have any heroes growing up, you know, back, back home in South Dakota?
2: Boy, you know, I was just, I was really big in sports. And, uh, you know, my dad, I always wanted to be like my dad.
0: There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh,
2: yeah, you know, he just, and I'm still trying to be like my dad. You know, he's, <laughs> Me too. <he's> <laughs> is he, Dan, is he
0: 84? My pa is 88. No, actually, he's 89. 88, 88, 88, 88 or 89, yeah.
2: My dad's
0: eighty-four. Wow, awesome!
2: I just guess I just always wanted to be like him.
0: You've mentioned that you're you're kind of a sports nut. So, who's your favorite Dallas Cowboy player of all time?
2: Oh, I don't know. I I suppose Staubach.
0: All right, all right, yeah. I kind of slid that one in there before I told you what was going to happen. We're, we're, we're at the part of the episode. It's time for the rapid fire questions. So uh, I'll oh ask my. the question. You tell me the first thing that comes to mind. They're not that hard, Rick. You're you're doing hey, just careful. fine. <laughs> All right. First one is uh, what's your favorite bike that you've ever worked on?
2: Got a uh, RS 750.
0: All right. I love it. Uh, what's your favorite bike that you've ever ridden?
2: Gotta be. GSXR, 1100.
0: All right, all right. I've never had the privilege of riding one of those, but I heard there are rocket ships. Um, what's your favorite racetrack? I'd have to say Springfield. All right, I'm right there with you. That's my number one always. Uh, who's your favorite flat tracker of all time?
2: Favorite flat tracker? Well, I'm not very, very quick on that one, am I? Ricky Graham.
0: Yep, mine too. I,
2: you know, I've watched them guys... Uh, for a lot of years, you know, at them tracks and watched the main event standing right out in the middle of the track or as close as they'd let me get to the track. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was pretty impressive.
0: He could do things that nobody else could do on a motorcycle and I can't put it any other way.
2: Yeah. It's unfortunate. He just couldn't handle life, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: It was So sad. Definitely his downfall.
0: Yep. So, who's your favorite person to go bench racing with?
2: Well, I'm I'm a way better listener, so you know Stokesbury's got some. Stokesbury has some good stories.
0: All right, I like it. Here's kind of a tricky one the the kids the kids I, I ask this question to always say the same thing. So I'm I'm curious to hear your answer. Uh, when you're heading off to the races, you have to bring your what? What is it you have to have?
2: Well, I gotta have my billfold. <laughs> as,
0: as the team owner, I get it. I love it. That's awesome. I haven't heard that one yet. The kids nowadays all say they have to have their cell phone. You know, um, who's the next first-time champion?
2: Next first-time champion. Well, I don't know. I I would say um, Davis Fisher is. He's got a lot of talent.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I like he might it. Might end up being. Might be an older guy, but I—he's a good kid. He's—he's he's got a few things to learn yet, but that's normal. You know, he's—he's he's pretty quick.
0: I—I I get it. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you miss most about being at the racetrack right now during this quarantine time?
2: Oh, the people. Love it. Love it. How are you going to be able to not shake hands?
0: I know, and I—I I, I always hug a lot of people too, and I just—I'm worried about that because. Man, yeah. it's going to be tough. We're supposed to give each other elbow bumps or fist bumps or something like that, and it's just not the same. Yeah,
2: definitely the people, though.
0: So so we borrow this last question from Dave Despain. Um, what are you most proud of?
2: Oh, it'd have to be, you know, family, friends, and faith. Uh, you've got it all. All
0: right. I love that, Rick um earlier we talked about your team i think you you hit on almost all your sponsors but before we let you go do you want to say thanks to anybody
2: well i'd say just everybody that's helped myself and uh, over the years uh, there's a lot of them i wouldn't want to try to pick any of them out but they all know that you know they understand what it takes for us to be able to do this so we appreciate anything and everything that they've all done for us as a team and individuals, you know, um,
0: do you have a favorite race win that you were a part of?
2: Well, you know, I've, um, probably the, it's kind of a toss up the one with my, you know, when we won a super, when Matt won a supermodal lights race, the first one that he won, that's kind of hard to explain, you know, Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Of course, with Ronnie at Sedalia was the first one as a national, um, but uh, you know it goes back to family, and you know Ronnie was family, Brett was family, Robbie's family, but you know Matt's family, family.
0: Right, right. No, I get it. I I love it. I just I, I forgot to ask you that one earlier. I want to make sure we included it. Yep. So, uh, Rick, yep. man, I appreciate the time. I, I've been wanting to have you on for such a long time. I, I've looked up yep. to you for a long time. I love seeing you at the races and. I wish you guys so much success in 2020, and I cannot wait for Bugs Pearson to win his first ever Grand National.
2: Well, we appreciate your enthusiasm and confidence in us. We need that. You know, it, it helps. It really, a person can say that, but you can feel it, you know, too. So, yeah. We're just taking a break like everybody else right now, but when it's time to be ready, we will be ready.
0: Right on, dude. I, l- I love that answer. I'm a huge Robbie Pearson fan. And again, thanks for coming on our podcast. We appreciate yeah. it. And good luck in 2020.
2: Thanks for thinking about us.
1: Would you say his name was Ricky racer? That's yeah. You know, I don't know. I think Ronnie Jones
0: calls him that. And that's what I've called. And I don't, I don't know that he likes it. But yeah. I call him Ricky racer. Or Rick Canode.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. I'll call him Rick Canode just in case he doesn't like it. I don't want to be calling him. Something or just, he doesn't or just, or just Rick, you know, that'd be fine. Hell of an interview, dude. That guy seems like he's, he's been around for a while and knows a thing or two about motorcycle racing.
0: Yeah, and there's so many stories that I could have gotten into that I really would have liked to know more information about. You know, Tim Mertens and and Ronnie Jones and, and Brett Landis. Like I said, he's probably one of the under, underrated riders because he only won two nationals, but that kid had a lot of talent. Um, there's there's so much more to the story, but I just wanted to make sure we talked about what he's doing now with Robbie Pearson and what he's been up to and, and what he's got going on. And one thing I forgot to mention, and when I stopped racing, his son matt burton actually rode my bike my rotax a few times and and nice. uh, it was cool to keep my dad at the racetrack a few more times uh, you know uh i stepped away for uh, you know for a uh, pretty serious reason and my dad just wasn't quite ready to walk away yet and with matt burton riding our bike a little bit greg t rode my bike a little bit after i was done and and it was cool to for my dad to still be involved in the sport
1: i don't know i I love his perspective i love his cool calm collective attitude uh i did like his take on the fact that like you know we're taking a break and we're we're gonna be ready to go when we're ready to go like he's not stressing out there's a lot of people worried about getting back to the track well i gotta be at the track gotta be at the track He's got he's got plenty to keep him busy, and he he doesn't want to wear himself out worrying about that stuff. I like the attitude. Um, it's it's kind of a cool, refreshing approach uh, to to the whole pandemic quarantine deal. I, I like it. I do too, and and I'm
0: I'm sure that
1: he probably talks to bugs
0: a lot and he's probably keeping bugs focused that same way and like he said he's getting a lot of honeydews done it's gonna (laughs) allow for some freedom later on we all are uh, yeah and he's you know staying busy at the shop and that's probably a good thing too because usually during race season you don't get to stick around and be around the shop so i'm sure he's getting a lot of projects done there too
1: exactly and it's definitely good to have a different perspective and uh not be stressing out and and have a cool calm collective mindset about it that that spreads across the team usually too because if he's not freaking out about it nobody else is uh sounds like a pretty cool guy to ha- have as a leader of a team and look forward to seeing what they do in 2020
0: yeah i'm excited you know like i said down at volusia bugs is really fast and uh man i just i hope that bugs actually gets to have a grand national victory and and maybe it'll come in 2020 you never know that's why we race
1: I don't even remember how many are in each main event but i think there's 18 guys each week that can win so i mean that's one in 18 is a better chance than he's ever had week in and week out so um if he could do it he's he'll do it and uh, it'll be awesome to watch either way
0: yeah i, I can't wait and i'm ready for the racing season to get going uh well i'm jealous i hope you have a good time up there at traveler's rest this weekend i'm gonna be taking it easy um uh, my daughter and her boyfriend bought a house and i i gotta go up there and uh deliver a washer and a dryer and Try to see what else I can do to help out up there. lend lend a hand here and there, and uh, I'll uh, be trying to watch for some updates on the on the interwebs. I may
1: be doing a, a pit walk this weekend, so you definitely have to not me personally, but I'll be I'll be running the camera like like you and I, old school pit walk style with Kristen Beats. Uh, what you now you're really bummed. That's like your favorite. Now part. I'm jealous. Now I'm
0: jealous. You're like, dude,
1: I you're pissed I, that you're pissed about missing the, the racing, but you're about to miss a pit walk, and now now you just lost all hope. You know, for some people that don't know,
0: Mister Carter, the guy sitting on the other side of this microphone, oh boy. on on the other side of the computer down in Florida, yeah, is the guy that came up with the pit walk.
1: Eh, and that's debatable. Yes, I did it no. first at AFT, but the idea of like walking through the pits is not like mild. right, 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 right. But you said this is great.
0: Yeah, you know, I would. And the reason I did it with you originally is because you didn't know anybody in our sport, so right. I would walk through the pits and say, hey, "Man." Uh, this is Chris Carter, he's gonna be running the the cameras and stuff like that. Well you got to meet everybody and then all of a sudden at the Arizona mile, yeah, you said, Hold on. Let's do that again. But I'm gonna follow you with the camera and the yeah. gimbal, I think we were I don't even know if we had a microphone that time. The gimbal but, wasn't hello? even
1: working. We didn't have a microphone. I was just using the phone iPhone mic. It was after a broadcast meeting. It was like right before we went live. And I was like, let's just take five, 10 minutes and do this. And I actually just came across that. It it popped up on my Facebook. So I reposted it on my Facebook wall. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I watched the whole thing like twice, like everybody's in it, dude. Like just, I don't know. It's so cool to me to see what we started with. And it was literally me grabbing you and Bubba and saying, let's just go walk the pits and do what you did. And, uh, what it's evolved into. That's you. That's all you. Um, we, we produced those and grew them week after week but what I love most about it is we first started doing it right we did it in Arizona and we did it like the next two or three weeks after and everybody's just like looking at us like what are you doing what are you doing but what like at four weeks in five weeks in you would see it we'd, we'd go start at the back of the pits and you'd see people like looking at us and lining up on the to like get and now it's a thing so uh it's super cool, dude. But like, I, I can take credit for starting it. But I mean, whatever. I was just looking for content. But uh, you made it what it was. So.
0: Well, I just I just had the the pleasure of being able to to know most of the people in the pit. It's not everybody, and just walking around and talking to them. Yep. And now people at home will text me or send me a message somewhere and say, Hey, what time is the pit walk? What time's the pit walk? Because <laughs> that's not published anywhere. No. And usually it's after our production meeting and it's before practice because I want to get these writers and for all that matter the mechanics and everybody before their before they flip the switch and, and tune out the world and, and yeah. focus on racing and that's what we do. And you that's you're, that's you're one the of the reason my... that got started. Yeah.
1: That's one of the that's one of my first questions though, is the start of every season. Once you sign your new contract, I'm like, All right, who's the cameraman for your pit walks though? That's like my second question. <laughs>
0: and that and that sometimes changes week to week depending I, on I who's think...
1: inside the truck. Yeah. Uh, sometimes right. it's
0: Nate Dog, sometimes it's Jason. Jason Jason enjoyed it last year. Yeah. He's the one with the a curly handlebar mustache and he he loved it he would actually text people and say hey we're getting ready to do the pit walk i love it and he loved it too so anyways it is my favorite part of the race so now i'm bummed that i'm not going so i hope kristen you
1: have fun doing the pit walk she will she'll do awesome um we'll have some fun with the men we're gonna we're gonna see racing so can't be a bad weekend at all uh it's gonna be a busy ass weekend but it's all for the best because i'm gonna see racing so whatever lucky lucky all Um,
0: right well you keep it on four wheels on the way up there and on the way back. Everybody else yep. keep it on two wheels. Good luck to all the racers this weekend. Uh, we appreciate all the followers, all the the listeners, all the likes, all the comments. We try to get back to every one of them. Uh, if you got a suggestion of who you want to hear on the podcast, let us know, um, and we appreciate it. Smash that like button. Tell all your friends. We'll be back next week and off the groove. Peace.
1: What does uh? What kind of shoes do frogs wear? Slip-ons. Open-toed. <laughs> Dad jokes. And with that, I'm out.
0: We'll, we'll see you later.